The following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 10.15 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. chances a fella can take. There's just one choice that I'm not going to make. And that choice would be letting you go. And there's like two or three things you probably should know. Thing number one, you're a spine as a fox. And when you cross Main Street, the traffic just stops. And thing number two, you're as kind as a dove. Except when Cindy Mydell gave you a shove. You always help people, and animals too. You bottle fed a rat that was sick with the flu. <laughs> and thing number three, you treat me so great. That's why tonight at the burger shed, I'm buying you chicken fried steak. <laughs> you heard it right, I'm gonna pay. I'm the man of your dreams. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> There we go. As said, he will be here March 12th. We hope you're going to be here to get to know Tavin. All right, this time, our first through third grade, can you go back to Children's Church? Go back there? Who knows? Maybe they're going to talk a little bit about love today. We'll see. That's what we're going to talk about. I'll tell you what, guys, if you are going to dive into God's Word and talk about love, you better, you better bring a lunch, all right? Or, or we're going to cover this very, very quickly, all right? Because the, the Bible talks about a lot of things, but there's not much in the Bible that gets covered more than love. You like to turn to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. We get a definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13 that is just unbelievable. Okay? We looked at this about a year and a half ago. We're going to look at it in a little bit different light today, being Valentine's Day is going to be Wednesday. All right? Um, again, 1 Corinthians 13 is right in the middle of your New Testament. Um, you need to look at your table of contents, that's fine, or pull it up on your phone or something. Just make sure you have that ready. We're going to be diving into not all of it, but, but a pretty good little chunk of 1 Corinthians 13. Let's ask God um, to dive into his word with us um, and change us if there's some changes that need to be made in our life. Let's pray with me, please. Lord God, we come before you, and Lord, we do thank you for... Um, all that you are, that you are a God that loves. You are a God of love. That you exemplify it in such a way that, as Steve said earlier, that is truly beyond imagination and is mind Help us, Lord, to, as much as possible, understand the significance and the size of your love for us. Lord. May that motivate us. To love others in a more powerful way. Lord, if there's changes that need to be made in our lives and our attitudes, we pray, Father, that your word would speak to us by your spirit 
and give us the power to change. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Unconditional. We are in the middle of, of unconditional things that God does unconditionally. Some of these things he does for his people. And how God has the way, a habit of taking things to the extreme. Um, last week we looked at, at forgiveness and the size, the scope of God's forgiveness. And, and we're, gonna, we're not done with that subject completely. Because I left us with a challenge that is not an easy one um, to live out. So we're, we're going to look at that. I mean, we're gonna, soon we will get more practicable. Practicable. <laughs> well, there's a word for you. More practical about what it looks like to forgive others. But today we're going to take a look at love. After all, as we said, February 14th is almost upon us. <coughs> all right? Um, I don't think there's anything in Scripture that shows us in a succinct way the length and the breadth, the height, the depth of God's love for us better than John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loved so much that he gave his perfect son in a sacrificial manner for us who did not and do not deserve that sacrifice. That's amazing. Amazing love. So the question now becomes... Last week, we looked a lot at what forgiveness looked like. God's forgiveness for us. This week, John 3, 16 is all we get, all right? But it's enough. God's love is amazing. So the question now is for us, this is the question. How good are we at loving others? <clears throat> how good are we at mirror mirroring God's love for us towards others? As I said, we're going to be jumping into 1 Corinthians 13. Everything said in 1 Corinthians 13 will apply to all the relationships we have in this life. And they will apply to marriage as well. So we're at this time, what we're going to be doing here in a little bit is broadening this love thing out beyond the scope of husband and wife. But after all, it is Valentine's Day coming, so I think... We probably ought to, for just a moment here, highlight the primary human relationship most of us will experience in our time on this rock, okay? The primary one is the relationship between husband and wife. Okay, before we even get to that, we've got some singles here, all right? We've got those who are not married. We'll define it specifically, okay? And some of those are from the age of fourth grade on up. So young people especially, young ones. You can define that however you want to define it. I'm not going to put the parameters on that, okay? But young people listen very, very closely, and all of us should probably listen as well. Um, JB and I do a lot of premarital counseling, and uh, we do some marital counseling, don't we, JB? And uh, premarital counseling... It's always more fun than marriage counseling, would you agree? Okay. And Jen and Donna have been involved in those things as well. I think they would agree with that as well. Premarital counseling, fun. Marriage counseling, not so much fun. Needed at times. 
but not so much fun. So this is what I'm going to tell you. If you're single, you're younger, listen and give your future marriage the best you to work with. Okay? I'm going to make this very, very clear. If you don't understand the language in which I'm speaking, young people, you can talk to mom and dad about it later, and they will explain it more specifically. Okay? All right. This is it. Young people, single people, stay out of the bedroom before marriage. Okay? This wasn't a conversation that we had to have, and it did not have to happen often in our grandparents' and our great-grandparents' day. But today, it does, because our society has changed. Do you understand? Um, no matter where society chooses to draw the line, and let me tell you something about the lines that society draws. They move them all the time. All the time. It, it, you might as well go out there and put a line in the sand before the tide comes in. <coughs> because they move it constantly. But this is the thing. God's instruction does not change. His lines do not move. Sexual immorality is forbidden for his people. And that is a sexual relationship outside the covenant of marriage. God is concerned much more about our future, as we talked about in looking at the leadership thing these past few months, than our past. Understand, he is Understand something. As much as he's more concerned about our future than our past, he's very concerned about that future. So if there's changes that need to be made, single people, make them. Repent. Make them. God is much more concerned about tomorrow than the next But he's very concerned about Speaking of the past, just because forgiveness has taken place when it comes to Jesus. Now listen close, I'm talking to married people now, okay? Doesn't mean that there still are not consequences for sin. I appreciate the way Jared Ellis put this. And how many years ago was that now, when he came and spoke on a Sunday night? I mean, isn't that crazy? In some ways it seems like, like three weeks ago, alright? But are you serious, five or six? I was thinking three or four, but you're probably closer to right to me, alright? Jared Ellis, um, preacher up in Iola, amazing preacher, I love, I love, great, incredible storyteller, too. Um, quite a guy. He came up here, and he spoke to, on a Sunday night, to a big crowd of people, probably more than they're here today, about marriage and what it looks like. Now, Jared is, is not only a preacher, he also does, like, like anybody in ministry, does quite a bit of counseling there within his church. And he, he went into details of, of some marriage counseling he was doing between a man and a woman. And I won't go into all the details of that. But this is basically the way he said it. And I appreciate the way he put it. Very close. Listen closely. If, if you and your spouse didn't wait until marriage to enter the marriage bedroom, maybe perhaps Christ has changed you since your wedding day. That happens. And changed your convictions on this. But if that's the case, you owe your spouse an apology. And if this is done sincerely, it can only help your relationship. Now that behind us, let's continue. In mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis talks about the difference between love 
and the world's idea of being in love. And there's a huge difference between those two things. You see, real love cannot be fallen out of. Okay? Married folks, listen closely. No matter what the world says about love and being in love and being out of love, or I just don't love you anymore, though words like that, Larry Osborne, oh my goodness, this guy, he just lays it out there sometimes. He's one of my favorite preachers. Um, and he just, and a lot of what we're looking at today is going to come from some of his study through this. And uh, he just doesn't hold punches, all right? And this is what he had to say about a man or a woman saying to their spouse, I'm leaving you because I don't love you anymore. He said, what that person is really saying is this, I'm leaving you because I'm a selfish pig. All right? You see, love has absolutely nothing to do with feeling. Real love, biblical love, is how Larry puts it. He says, it's not how you feel, it's how you deal. Real love is how you deal with people. So, all of that being said, very folks, Listen well to 1 Corinthians 13 for the sake of our marriages, because I'm married folk as well. I'm included in that group. Listen well to 1 Corinthians 13 as we look at love, the big picture. Love, the big picture, all right? All right, married folks, you remember your wedding day? You got several people. You remember? I mean, we got a lot of married folks here. Remember your wedding day. Okay. How many of you remember these words being spoken at your wedding? I'm going to give you a little hint. I'm going to ask you by a showing of hands if you remember these words. And there's a few of you in this room that I did, I was part of your wedding. Your hands better go up. Dad, good one. All right. Okay. Just giving you a hint here. All right. Because I say these at a wedding. Okay. So if, if, if these words were spoken at your wedding, I would like you to raise your hand. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, love does not brag, and it is not arrogant. If that was spoken at your, those words may be more, at your wedding, raise your hand. Got a few of you? You don't remember, Claire? <laughs> you know what? There are some things about the wedding day that I simply do not remember as well. He was a little nervous. He's just a little nervous. <laughs> I don't blame you. She could beat you up, no problem. <laughs> All right. Now listen closely. I certainly hope, certainly hope that we as God's people have not taken that, that. That is a direct quote, by the way, of a part of 1 Corinthians 13. And I hope that we have not relegated this passage of Scripture just to wedding ceremonies, okay? And wedding speech. It's meant to be lived out in the big picture. Marriage and beyond marriage, okay? This is how we are to live. How are we, are to, how are we to live? 1 Corinthians 13. Let's begin in verse 4. This is what our love is supposed to look like. Love is patient. Love is kind. And is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account the wrong suffered. 
Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. For just a second, look at what comes before this incredible definition of love. Now we're not going to deal with this very long. We're going to deal with love. But look what comes first. Look back to verse 1 and just kind of read through it on your own. 1 Corinthians, verse 1, and look through those first three verses there. As you're doing that, I'm going to talk about it just a little bit, all right? The Apostle Paul talking about love and the importance of love within us. This is what he says. He says, he says, if I have the ability to speak in the language with the inflection and the power of angels, but I do not love, I am nothing. If I'm the Apostle Paul, Billy Graham, and Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow all rolled up into one, okay? But I don't love, I'm nothing. If I have the insight of a believing Socrates and Albert Einstein, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I have enough faith to pick up this building just by believing it, with us in it, and transport it to Aspen, Colorado, we'll all go skiing right after church, okay? If I got enough faith to do that, and yet I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I sell everything I own and give it away to people in need from here to Afghanistan and do not have love, I'm nothing. If I not only die for Jesus, but I'm tortured first, then killed, and do not have love, I am nothing. And then Paul dives into the definition of love. Do you understand the significance of what he just said first, though? Those are incredible attributes of a powerful man or woman of God. But if that person does not love, that person is nothing. We need a little help, again, from Larry Osborne in breaking down these incredibly important four verses here. The big big picture of love. Okay? This would be a good time to write some stuff down. Right? Because this is a lot better than that. What we're going to look at here today, we're going to call it, we're going to call it this. How, the how loving am I checklist. Alright? The how loving am I checklist. Number one. You ready? How do I respond when I'm hurt or disappointed? How do I respond when I'm hurt or disappointed? Let's just keep that one in general right now. Okay? 
okay? Because we're going to look at hurt or disappointed by somebody else here in just a moment, all right? For now, let's just look at this in general. How do I respond when I'm hurt or disappointed? Paul's instruction for this comes out of the very beginning of our love definition. Love is patient. Love is You know, we often attribute patience with what? Oh, no, that's a tough question. That's a tough, tough question, because patience is a big subject. But, let me give you know. We do a lot of this every week. Starts with a W. Follows with an A-I-T-I-N-G. Waiting. That's, isn't, that, isn't that where we usually put patience? You know, is is whether it's in whether it's in a doctor's waiting room. We, we we call them waiting rooms. Are you kidding me? What do we call the people in the hospital? Patients, because they're waiting. Okay, I'm serious. You think I'm not right in that? I guarantee you, I'm right. Okay. We take patience and we apply it so often to waiting. And there's nothing wrong with that, I guess, okay? But how often do we take patience and attribute it, connect it with hurting? It takes a tremendous amount of maturity to be patient when we've been hurt. Paul says, love is patient. They follow it with this. Love is kind. <laughs> Speaking of waiting, how many of you like waiting in the Walmart checkout line? Anybody? Colton, you're weird. <laughs> you just trying to be funny here? <laughs> now, how about this? Not only waiting in line. But roll it up there with your 15 items in the 20-item loan checkout line, okay? And right before you get in line, there's three people ahead of you, all have their, you know, 10, 12 items. And Sally Mae comes running in. Oh, that's funny. That's like a government industry thing, Sally Mae. I don't know where that just came out. It just popped up right into my head. Alright, uh, so you can throw whatever name you want in there. But, comes rolling through with their cart of 155 items. Cuts you off at the pass, buddy, and right there. How many of you are tempted to be, in that moment, kind? No, you're tempted to be something else, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you are. I guarantee you are. Kind. What in the world is that? Here's the question. How do I respond when I am hurt or disappointed in general by life? Does it influence me to be a more kind person? I want you to think for a moment of kind people that you know. And I'd be willing to bet that the kind person you know also happens to be pretty strong. Love is patient. Love is kind. 
how do I respond when I'm hurt or disappointed? Question number two. Am I willing to put others first? Am I willing to put others first? Well, how, how, does, how does Paul put it here? Well, continuing on, he says, Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. And love does not seek its own. Here's a question for you. Those who work outside of your home and those whose workplace specifically includes a lot of people, all right? That's probably the easiest way to envision this here just for a moment. And here's a question for you. Is jealousy alive and well at your workplace? Is jealousy alive and well at your place of work? What about this? What about pride and arrogance? Surely in your place of work, there are no self-seekers to deal with. That, that always put themselves ahead of others. You think people in full-time ministry ever deal with that? How about this one? As a minister, looking at the church down the road that is exploding. I don't mean literally. I mean, there's a lot of people coming in, all right? That can be tough on a minister who is focused on numbers rather than God's kingdom and the salvation of the law. A minister with the right focus looks and is truly filled with joy about the church down the road. Because people are Okay, let's leave the workplace and let's go home with this. Do I put my spouse in front of me? Do I put, and it's so easy to say that. Yeah, absolutely, all the time. Do I put what my spouse wants ahead of what I want? Well, what about, what about this one? What about my Lord? Do I put the interests of my Lord ahead of my interests? Life is all about lines, you know? And I'm not talking about those lines drawn in the sand. I'm talking about a different sort of lines. I'm talking about waiting lines. Because a lot of life is, 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 is truly waiting. After all, are we not all waiting for the return of Jesus Christ? If you're a follower of him, you're waiting for that. Anxiously awaiting. So, so life is, is a lot about lines. And in this waiting line, how many people have I put in front of me? Put them and their interests in front of me. And how many people have I put? 
Because it seems like Jesus had something to say that was something like this. The ones that will be first in line in my kingdom put themselves at the last of them. Am I putting, am I willing to put others first? Question number three. How do I respond when I am personally wronged by another? Let's see what Paul has to say about that. Be right there in about verse 5. Love is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. All right. Did you know that you can go now? Now I don't know about I don't know about on a on an IBM PC product, but I do know that you can go onto a Mac product now and type in a word that I guarantee you five, maybe even three years ago, was had a little squiggly under it. Alright? Because it wasn't a word. And now it's a word. Hangry. Did you know that that, that is no longer told you that that is an error on, by, by your spell check anymore on the Mac. Angry. All right. Well, what do we call these things? These, these angry terms. Half cocked. Have you heard of that one before? You know what that means? Literally, I know that but most people who carry conceal anymore, if you're not like my dad, all right, he's old school, all right, but carry some sort of semi-automatic pistol. Um, not too many people carry those revolvers anymore. But revolvers, as well as old-school rifles, can be put into a position of half-cock. That means it's even more ready than usual to fire. We walk around ready to fire, looking for a fight, confrontational. There's tons of words and phrases to identify and describe the person who always wants to get even. But love refuses to respond in kind when I'm wrong. I'm not going to respond the way that they treated me. Love doesn't even only do that. What did he say here? Love does not record the events either. It's not checking it up, saying, I'll remember that one later, okay? Now, don't, we're on here. I told you we were going to talk about forgiveness coming sometime soon. Love doesn't mean forgetting it, okay? We'll dive into that sometime soon, I promise you, okay? Because it's so incredibly important. But love says, I will not record this for future use, okay? How in Loving in my checklist. How do we like this one? How do I respond when I am personally wrong? <coughs> this one's kind of interesting, what he puts here in verse 6. Number 4. How do I respond to sinful behavior? How do I respond to sinful <coughs> behavior? Verse 6. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but love rejoices with the what? The truth. Folks, we live in a messed up world. The Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago, give or take a decade or two, he lived in a messed up 
world. Jesus came to change a messed up world. Jesus lived in a messed up world. And the messed up world will try to tell everyone this. Every choice must be embraced. But folks, real love does not support all behavior. Real love does not support all choices. We gotta be careful with this one, guys. Because when we take this verse 6 and we rip it out of the context in which it's in, it becomes all too difficult, all too easy to become Pharisee. You remember how Jesus constantly combated with the Pharisees? It was because of this. They looked down their noses upon everyone. Because when they saw sin, they never saw it in their own lives. They only saw it in the lives of others. And folks, if we rip this one out of this checklist that Paul had given us, it will be way too easy to become Pharisaical, become a Pharisee. The Pharisees, what made them different than Jesus? Because Jesus did take a stand for what was right, and Jesus did confront sinners, but Jesus loved them. we are called to do the same. While standing and rejoicing with the truth. Folks, in our world, that is not an example. But we've been called to And Jesus said, Question number five. Let's wrap this thing up. Do I assume the best or worst about people? Do I assume the best or the worst about people? Verse 7, love, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's so crazy that, that when we read those words, we put them on this huge plateau, all right? I mean, don't they just sound like, love bears all things? I mean, I wish I had, I wish I had that deep, resounding voice just to say it, okay? But I don't. You got Barney here. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is, okay? Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And we want to put that in some level that we don't even know what it means, but sure it does sound good, doesn't it? <laughs> Apply it to life, folks. Apply it to people. What does that mean for us? It means this. What do I do with rumors? What do I do with gossip? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Our world loves a good rumor. Loves it. The juicier, the better. I mean, sometimes we can get more excited about a juicy rumor than a 16-ounce ribeye cooked perfectly. And that's wrong, okay? Do I readily seek out and believe everything bad I hear about others? What do I do with God? Do I run my part in the relay? I mean, that's what gossip is. Did you realize what gossip is? It's a great big relay race. 
Okay? How many of you ran relays in high school? Not talking about gossip. Okay, I'm just talking about literal ran track, ran relays. Put your hand up. What happens if you drop a baton? Disqualified. It's over. It's done. Pack your bags and go home. There ain't no like, I lose my kids. You're done. You're done. What happens to a rumor, to gossip, if somebody drops a baton? It stops. Am I going to run my part in the relay, or am I going to squash it? Well, I'm at it. Tell the person who spoke to me. Ah, that's not what it's not say that. Let's build this up right here. It's not going to be like this. Even if it means leave a little bit of Facebook, okay? Nothing wrong with leave a little bit of Facebook. I refuse. If I love the way I'm supposed to love, I refuse to believe the worst in people. And this does not make me gullible. It makes me an optimist. And that's the way of love. The love checklist. You ready? Get them all? How do I respond to hurt or disappointment? Am I willing to put others first? How do I respond when I'm personally wrong? How do I respond to sinful behavior? Do I assume the best or the worst about people? How big is my love? How real? You notice we stopped before perhaps the best part. See the first part of verse 8. Love never fails. Folks, love defined this way. Do, do, do you know what it's called in, in the Greek? They call it agape. In English, it means. And I don't know about you, but I need the help of God, the God of unconditional love, to get this done in my life. This is the spirit thing. Valentine's Day 2018. This year, as good as chocolate is, and as great as those roses smell, all right, let's make it a little bigger than that. How about we make a commitment to God? That we're going to work hard to love others the way He loves them. In our marriages, 
in our relationships with our children, in our relationships with our friends, in our relationships with our coworkers, in our relationships with our classmates, in our relationships with our enemies. Oh yeah, we can talk about that. always willing to help his people live for life in Jesus Christ. There's nothing he likes to do better in a day than help you and me live for life in Jesus Christ. The Lord speaking to your heart today about something that we looked at or something we did not look at. That's all right. The Spirit works in mysterious ways, right? Do not leave here today without talking to somebody else. I'll be here. JV will be up here. We get our hands full. One of our elders, a couple of our elders will be up here. All right? But there are others in this room. People who are living this out in their lives. Not perfectly. None of us are. But they're working at it. I bet you they would be willing to sit down and talk with you as well. But do not be. I'm going to